based on the data that we have from companies' ability to deploy people management, we can advise risk managers or insurers how to price a company's ability to mitigate risk. So I'm excited today to be here with James Felton Keith. He has a super interesting background and is currently the founder of Inclusion Score. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So, James, you are a tried and true insurance guy, um, but I think what you're working on currently with Inclusion Score is, um, you know, super interesting. So maybe you could tell people about Inclusion Score and, and maybe a little bit about how you kind of came to create it. Yeah, sure. I mean, Inclusion Score, I'll say in a nutshell. So there's there's Inclusion Score. We're we're a New York company. We operate everywhere though, and we also have a wholly owned brokerage and Inclusion Brokerage Services. Uh, and in a nutshell, from a technology standpoint, we're an underwriting tool for directors and officers, employment practice liability, errors and emissions uh, insurance, right? But the way we get there, the way we are able to uh, measure risk management capability company by company is we're deploying a suite of automated tools based on the, the new international ISO 30415 standard for diversity and inclusion. This standard is really rooted in evaluating internal corporate capability to manage people uh, in the least risky way possible. A lot of my work has been rooted in, I think, the singular obsession of trying to solve the distribution problem of distributing value. I think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a capitalist at my core. I think I would, I would morph that language to say, you know, inclusionist. And when I look at things like gross domestic product, I look at them as a measure of transactions. I look at what we've done in the in the Western world over the course of the past 200 years, and I think what we've done is incentivize more people to participate well, play nicely in the sandbox of society, whatever society they exist in, and it is my priority to enhance that participation. How do you take something like that ISO standard and figure out how to, you know, sort of do these calculations and, and, and come up with a score? First things first is, again, consensus matters. The way people with, and no offense to anyone who doesn't have a collar shirt on, people with collar shirts make the world go around is they do it based on consensus. So no matter when we talk about diversity and inclusion, no matter how many PhDs write interesting books with swanky titles, the only thing that really matters to the operational world is consensus. Even if it's wrong when we start, it's about having a starting point and evolving from there, right? It's, it's mechanical. And so the way we do that is we take the standard, I think if you were to ask any 10 people at any company that you know of, what does diversity inclusion mean? They'll give you 10 different answers about HR, which is not wholly wrong, but it's also nowhere close to right. The, the standard is really looking for intentionality, which is this word we talk about a lot in diversity and inclusion or people management, having intentionality. The way intentionality looks in, a, in you know, the tangible world is as a policy document. And so the standard is looking for intentional policy around inclusivity, 
across corporate governance, things we do with executives. HR is obviously there, things we do with our employees, but also product delivery, whether our product is a service or something more tangible. And last but not least, procurement or our supplier diversity. How do we engage the ecosystem that we deal with to deliver our service and or product? And so as it's looking for policy there, the way the system works, the way inclusion scores the system works, is it gauges the maturity of that policy based on the rigor that it has. Rigor meaning it's assigned to, to roles and responsibilities, not rock star people. And we'll gauge maturity based on his assignment of roles and responsibilities, and also the regular revisiting of that documentation. In the IT world, we call that technical writing to see if they're actively engaging, sustaining that maturity over time. One of the guests I had on the podcast is in the life insurance space and what they're doing is some things um, around epigenetics and, you know, to boil down their, their offering, it's, they're sort of giving a, an epigenetics health report. And so they're, they're packaging as life insurance that helps you live longer or life insurance that makes you healthier, right? So would you say there's kind of a parallel here when you get into the insurance side of your business that it's kind of insurance that helps your company be healthier because sure. it is managing this risk in, the, in, in this way? Totally. I mean, I think we can leverage whether it's epigenetics in the life insurance space or there's this ISO standard for diverse inclusion in the PNC space. Um, we can incentivize companies to be good actors or even governments to be good actors. And to, again, go back to that original note of bringing people together to play nicely in the sandbox of, of society. And even though folks think that big insurance is, is the big bad, you know, wolf, and they, you, know, you see tragedies, you see things in the news, the insurer doesn't want to pay this or that. We actually just exist to ensure that humanity can persist. And I didn't mean to rhyme that or anything, but that's why we're here. And so as the risk management industry, we can look at data, not just the subjective data that we get from either like epigenetics, if we're talking about life, life insurance or, you know, diverse inclusion, if we're talking about people management and, and PNC insurance. We can also run a, a large series of predictive analytics on what we think will happen, just like how drivers insurers make some general assumptions about people between 25 and 16 years old. So, so yes, the answer to your question is, is yes, we're, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, we're an insurer secondarily. I, I, obviously, I just want to sell as much software as possible. Um, but insurance makes it so that I don't have to be a salesman. I just, I insist, you have to use our stuff. So from a business model point of view, are you charging for the software? And then, you know, you charge for, 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 for the insurance, obviously, and collect your commissions on the insurance? Or have you packaged it up since you're an MGU? Have you packaged it up in some way where if they use the software, then you can discount? Or maybe it's both. I don't know. Yep. So both and, right? So yeah, we, we have folks who are just using our tech who don't care about insurance at all. They just need a better way to manage DNI. But then, yeah, on the MGU side, the tech is tied to the to the policy. So if you can get a higher inclusion score, um, then it is possible. It's not a guarantee, but it's possible that the, your premium can 
plateau or even come down. I think the model is to your, your question. Yeah, we're charging for the tech, charging for the insurance. We even charging for the training um, and we white label it all. So let me so let me ask you, I know you want people to pay for the software to kind of identify that where their risks are, but you know, would you be able to 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 maybe highlight, say, the top three most common issues that the tech surfaces in organizations? Oh, totally. Um, well, just again, a lack of so organizations usually they all start out and say they either want to go work on HR stuff or procurement stuff, which is as normal. It makes sense. Um, and then they'll send documentation about how they plan to do it. And they're really doing things in an ad hoc way, right? So it's very reactionary. So the main thing it highlights is that they need to agree on that intentionality to go back to what we were talking about earlier to deploy any real sustainable programs. Smart employees, which we all have, don't want to feel like they're being pacified. And so the main thing that it highlights is the pacification that's going on and how they can better navigate around that to communicate to their stakeholders, whether they're employees or someone else, maybe even consumers, that they have a real plan to grow. Kind of bouncing back and forth here, but on your previous point about MGUs and MGAs, you know, really struggling right now. So what do you think the solution is to that? I would say it's, it's the latter bleeds into the former, right? I would say, yes, this industry needs to use more tech to make better decisions. Uh, even though it is an industry, of, it's like the oldest data industry, right? But then that would feed into, I believe, better underwriting of risk. And in places that we find to be more risky, the incentivizing of building more infrastructure to cater to whatever those risk classes are. Because we still need to expand who we can uh, ensure and why. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we're just in that cycle. We're in a big change point, uh, not only like culturally in the world, but also technologically. Things are changing fast. And so I think the only way to stay on it, I think we see an exponential growth in that change. I think we'll sustain this pace of change. And so when we think about the oldest industry moving like the oldest industry, not really being willing to change, we have to make it a more tech-infused industry in order to uh, scale. So any other uh, either predictions you might have or anything else we might have missed that you want to cover before we wrap up today? Um, I'd say I think ESG is going to go the way that we are going in DNI and that cyber happened. I think you know there are two international standards for environmental sustainability, both internal and external to organizations that should be leveraged. I mean a lot of brokers, carriers who are talking about how they look at ESG and I'm just I'll just say whatever you all are doing it's wrong. It's wrong. Uh, you don't know what you're doing. Leverage the tech and the standards to measure again change management in what companies are delivering from an ESG standpoint uh, and we'll all be in a better place. If you don't do that you're just making stuff up and your portfolios are going to fail and um, we'll be here to pick up the pieces once you know once that happens. So I would say use the standards, use corporate change management the right way. Stop hiring PhDs to make up new processes that don't exist. Humanity relies on consensus. We don't care how smart you are, what school you went to, uh, if what you're doing is not peer reviewed, vetted, and part of a global consensus. 
All right, great. Well, James Felton Keith, uh, super interesting discussion, founder at Inclusion Score, and it was really great to have you on. Great talking to you.